listening to the Deep Purple Podcast, a fan podcast about one of the most legendary bands of all time, Deep Purple. We take a look at the music, history, and people behind the band Deep Purple and beyond. Welcome to the Deep Purple Podcast, the first and only podcast devoted to one of the greatest bands in rock history, Deep Purple. Today's episode is episode number 243, Dixie Dregs Freefall. And coming to you from the suburbs of Chicago, where it is uh, free fallen leaves from the trees, I am your host, Nathan Beaudry. And coming to you from the suburbs of Providence, I'm your co-host, John, Mr. Showbusiness Matola. <laughs> and coming to us from the suburbs of, what, what do you say, northeastern Indianapolis? Yeah. It is the Northeast, one, the only yeah. chairman of the Deep Dive Podcast Network, Mr. Terry T-Bone Mathley. Thank you so much for joining Hello. us. Yeah. Pleasure to be here, folks. That's awesome. So... Your resume is, uh, you know, makes us look pathetic by comparison. You, you, you've worked in the in the music industry and had radio shows and all that sort of stuff, and and are just just so well versed uh, in in so much music. So, um, why don't you tell our listeners that aren't familiar with you a little bit about yourself, your background, and uh, what you're up to? Well, I uh, let's see. For about thirty two years, I was a musician. Played lots of gigs, and uh, then for about ten years or eleven, I was I worked for Hall and Oates, uh, Steve Cropper, G. Smith, the Doobie Brothers. Um, did mainly uh, what? It's, let's see, it, it's like calling a, a janitor a sanitation engineer. They had a fancy name for what I did. <laughs> it, it was a uh, uh, web properties manager. Ooh. So I was basically ran the websites, the the uh, social media. Um, I did other things too, with you know ticketing and things like that. And then I had a show, a radio show here in Indianapolis for ten years, up until I had you know physical problems. And but uh, I had a lot of fun during that time. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And, uh, you, you know, you have your podcast where you're, you're interviewing some of your old, uh, coworkers and all that. And I really, really enjoyed that. Just really cool. See, uh, hearing you talking, uh, with like John Oates and, uh, you know, it's one thing to hear an interview, but you're hearing an interview with, a you know, somebody who's a good buddy of yours and you can, it really comes across in the interview yeah. that you're just like, this isn't just, Oh, I managed to get in touch with somebody's uh, agent and get them on the show. It's like, this is like, this is like an old yeah. friend and it's, it, it your uh, interviews are always really entertaining to listen to. And I, I really plan to kick that into high gear. I've had, I had a lot of physical stuff this year again. Uh, but uh, I've got people lined up and I hope to, you know, really get going with that again i've been on a couple podcasts this year but i haven't i haven't actually been able to do an episode of my own this year but i could try to get a couple in before the end of the year that's awesome and we're glad to have you because we've been kind of something we've been talking about for a while and um given uh you know mostly what we've we've communicated for years and years over twitter and social media and stuff so it's it's uh it's been really great kind of building that relationship and um, having that communication and definitely noticed you to be someone who mentioned Dixie Dregs and kind of having a background with Dixie Dregs, which is why we asked you to be on the show. Cause um, 
uh, without giving away uh, too much, John and I don't have much of a background with Dixie Dreg, so um, it'll be great to hear your perspective. Um, but before we get to that, folks, we do have to do something, um, and that is to thank the wonderful people who support our show. And if you want to support our show, you can do so a number of ways. One is by leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. The 100th five-star review coming up any day now uh, will get a special deep purple podcast goodie bag uh you can also buy some merch at our etsy store or become a patron on patreon or on paypal for as little as one dollar a month help support the show and we really appreciate it um then uh speaking of patrons uh we did get uh uh, the executive level patrons at the in memoriam tier, the wonderful late Gerald, Jerry Kelly and his family, a big, a uh, big appreciation for all their support of the show. Then we've got at the $25 uncommon man tier. We have Ovis Nakfi and purple maniac at the 15 squid tier. We have the one, the only Alan. Then we have at the $10 good doctor tier. We have Dr. Mike Catan. At the Turn It Up to $11 tier, Mr. Clay Wambacher, Frank Tealgard Mortensen, Mickelstein, and Will Porter, PHDPP. And at the $10 Someone Came tier, Ryan M., Jeff Bryce, Victor Campos, Better Call Saul Evans, and Peter from Illinois. And at the Huzoween by 2033 tier, the one and only Fielding Fowler. Yeah, I just I just did that on the fly because I'm <laughs> I'm too late in actually editing that. One of these days that I'll get it. That was very choppy. Yeah, what's that? <laughs> that was very. Yeah, choppy. it was a very poor edit. I I literally just skipped ahead. <laughs> I've been meaning to do it. Like, come on, let's go. Bleh. Yeah, I, I I nailed it though. I got right to the part at least. Um. So yeah. So uh uh, and if you like uh our podcast and want to explore other podcasts, check out the Deep Dive Podcast Network at deepdivepodcastnetwork.com. We've got a live feed of all the shows in our network, including the wonderful T-Bone. Um, so uh, check that out for more information. Um, all right. So here we are. We, we did an episode on kind of Steve Morse's background with the band and all that sort of, uh, you know, leading up to this. And we, we touched a little bit on Dixie Dregs, but... Um, I don't want to steal John's thunder or steal my own thunder, but I don't think we have m much of a back. The only background I have with Dixie Dregs is that I, in a recent episode when our friend Scott was on, I did mention that I saw Rod Morgenstein at a drum clinic somewhere in like 1990-ish. Uh, at the time, I didn't know what Dixie Dregs was. I just knew him as the guy from Winger, and I got his autograph, and I think it was like a modern drummer or something, and uh, he was one hell of a drummer, I can tell you that, just... Uh, unbelievable. I just remember that was really eye-opening for me because you know, I was a teenager, but seeing, um, you know, I considered Winger... It's, my eyes have been opened in recent years to realize Winger is filled with amazing musicians. At the time, I was like, oh, Winger. Uh. Um, and just seeing him play, I was like, this guy is the drummer for Winger? <laughs> he's, he's not doing a lot of this stuff playing with Winger, that's for sure. Um, that's kind of my background. John, do you have any background with the dregs or... Winger? <laughs> no, no. Well, <laughs> well yeah. Wing, Winger was, yeah, actually, yeah. Winger was one of my, uh, one of my first uh, cassettes. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I remember. Um, yeah. I thought that I love that album. I think they got, they got um, unduly, um, 
uh, critic. Not I don't want to say criticized, but they were you know. He, no, they Kip, did. Kip Winger was a you know he's a pretty boy. Yeah, he's a the, really good looking guy. So people were like, oh, he's just a pretty boy. But they they had some yeah, jobs. Yeah, let's take him down a few pegs because he's so good looking <laughs> and plays bass. You know, it's like okay. <laughs> Um, yeah, but they were, I thought they were, I always thought they were a hell of a band listening to them now. I think that they're really, it's good. You know, it takes, takes a lot of talent to, uh, have the, the talent that he does and, uh, write some of the catchy stuff that they did, um, in my opinion. But anyways, uh, with the Dixie Dregs, no, no history, just, just what we've done here on the show. All right. So T-Bone, what's your, uh, what's your background with the Dregs? How do you first become aware of them and what's your uh, take on them? Well, first of all, speaking of winger, I, I think I think a lot of the backlash started with the Beavis the Butthead stuff. Yeah. <laughs> when mm-hmm. I think it was what's that kid's name? Stuart? Yep, yep. Yep. And they could have put any shirt on him and they put the winger shirt and they made him a dummy and then they just ruined him. <laughs> uh, well Yeah, that's how it started. The the Dixie Dregs I didn't know about right at first. I was more in, I I was into uh, Steve Moore's solo stuff, but oh, okay. I didn't really start listening to music till popular music till probably late eighty two, early eighty three, and I graduated eighty three. It was it was how I was brought up. We won't go into that, but <laughs> <laughs> the uh, I I actually uh, see I'm, I'm was raised in Ypsilanti, Michigan, and Steve Moore spent oh, a lot wow. of his time there yeah and uh actually he, he was know, born there right or or he lived he, he moved there when he was there, but they they moved up there right i think he was born in the south so maybe was it atlanta or something I think it, actually south? i think it might have been like he was born like maybe like ohio and then they moved there oh, something think, like that i think you're right but uh it, it, it turns out i actually know two guys that play football with him all the time and all three oh, wow. of them are amazing guitarists um but they said uh, one of them told me that uh, one day they were they were playing like every day. And then one day Steve just stopped showing up. And he was <laughs> playing his guitar all the time. Mm-hmm. And one of these guys tours a lot in Europe, and other guys are a great gypsy jazz guitarist. I mean, there's there had a lot of talent there. But the uh, and I actually saw Steve at a uh, uh, guitar clinic at Cardi's Music at Ypsilanti, and that's when I. I found out he was from Ipsy. I didn't know that at the time. Oh, cool. And and that's when, and then he was talking about the Dixie Dregs in his past. And that's when I got into him, sometime in the 80s. And the uh, D- Dixie Dregs might be the best band you never heard. Mm, yeah. You know, uh, well, all apologies to, to uh, Frank Zappa. I think Zappa called his... 88 touring band that broke up before many people got to hear him call them that, but oh yeah, <laughs> kind of thought that that uh held for them. I I was I'm really a big Steve Morris fan. You know, I've told you before I I've had three of his signature guitars. Um I like the fact that he could play, well, we'll cover this later, but he could play, you know, that uh clean and and almost a country sounding thing and then flip on the distortion, just rip. Yeah, for sure. And uh, that's one thing I appreciated. I, um, you know, they they were, uh, in, in simple terms, they were kind of a combination of the Mahavishnu Orchestra and the Almond Brothers. <laughs> yeah, that's, other, that's a good description. There's other, other bands too, but, you know, those are the two. And um, 
I think Steve Morris actually said that they don't really go for labels, but if they did, uh, they'd be called uh, electronic chamber music. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and speaking of the Allman Brothers, you, you may know this, you may not. I, I, the, uh, it was right, a sorry, my, from, my dog is making a uh, making a guest appearance, so I think that calls for um, where is it? Uh, here we go. Devil dog, the hound of hell. Tuesday. There we go. The dog is more interesting than I am. So, uh, <laughs> no, it's a, well, interesting <laughs> maybe, but it de defend, depends how you define interesting. Annoying, yeah. perhaps. <laughs> but uh, there was it was a tip. You know, their their first. Well, they did. They put a out an EP. You know, it, only a thousand copies, but their first major release, which was Freefall, was on Capricorn Records, which was the Almond label. And it was a tip from uh, Chuck Lavelle and and the uh, who was their keyboard, their Almond keyboards, and then their road manager, Twigs Linden, suggested the Dixie Dregs because they had heard them, and so they they signed them, and then uh, Twigs went on to be their uh, their. Uh, what do you call it? Well, their road manager, because the Allman Brothers split up in 76, I think, you know, the first time they split up. And uh, now this this is this is a little dark, but you know how on the cover of Free Fall, mm -hmm. they're they're jumping out of the plane, mm -hmm. right? Well, <laughs> Twigs was a avid skydiver. Oh, really? And and uh <laughs> He jumped out of a plane. There was a, some kind of a, um, uh, what do you call it? a formation dive. Mm -hmm. And uh, actually, Steve Morse was there and saw it. He jumped out of the plane. His chute didn't work. He pulled the second chute. It came out, but it got twisted, and then he died. Oh, wow. And uh, so on their, on their next record, which was uh, Dregs of the Earth, they actually did a song called Twigs Approved because – it was a big part of the band. He actually co-wrote a couple songs, and then every night he would play one song with him. He had a, a, a Dwayne Almond's old Les Paul because he had traded a car for it. And uh, anyway, that's, there's a lot of crisscross there, but that kind of gives you, you know, a lot of people don't know about their association with him and with the Almond Brothers and it certainly puts this. a uh, puts a new spin on the album cover for sure. That's yikes. Oh, and and Twigs is well. Let's see. Do I, do, oh, I don't have it out here. Not on the CD because on the CD it's just a blank back cover with the uh, with the song titles. But on mm -hmm. the album, which I have somewhere, uh, Twigs is on the back cover. Oh, see, that and, was going to be a question. I was going to say, who is that guy on the back? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that that's Twigs London. And uh, you you can see their feet like they're huge watching them come down. Yeah. Hmm. Well, look at that. See, I picked I picked the right show to not be prepared for because <laughs> I was I was telling uh, T Bone like I don't know a couple of weeks ago whenever we talked about this like oh yeah you're you're the expert and you know it'd be great to have you. I was like you're like oh I don't know about that. <laughs> and then you come on and start <laughs> schooling us and everything. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, the album came out in '77, like you said. Oh my God, this dog is going to kill me. Um, like you said, um, uh, they had that first album that they, was kind of like, and I think we talked about that a bit on our Steve Morris episode that it was, uh, I don't know if it was um, self-produced or produced like really cheap or whatever. It was kind of almost like it a was, demo. I think it was, yeah. 
And then they only have a thousand copies. Yeah, so I'm sure that's a pretty good collector's item to have. And then, um, yeah, then they they kind of came out with this one. So we'll 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 break into it a little bit. But we've got um, uh, on this one, we've got uh, to talk about the album art, which you already talked about. Um, we've got, they, and they did do. I forget how many, uh, two or three uh, songs from that first, you know, that self-produced thing are ended up on Freefall too. Right. Um, and there's the album cover that you were talking about. So, uh, yeah, there, there they are, uh, falling out of the airplane, Steve Morse up front. And <laughs> center. I just love, I love how much, um, joy they all have in their, in their, yeah. uh, faces, even though they don't, they're not, they don't have any parachutes. <laughs> um, so, uh, what do you got, uh, John, what do you think about this album cover? This is the one that you, you found in, uh, Philly. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I, I I found a copy of this really cheap in Philly when we were there to see Deep Purple for like oh, five bucks or something. So, picked it up. Yeah, it's it's. Um, I think it's pretty fun. Nice, uh, nice uh, colors on there. It's very colorful. Mm-hmm. I like uh, how free fall uh, kind of <laughs> free falls in the uh, in the air there. So, um, yeah, I think it's it's a pretty pretty neat album cover. This is like one of the more kind of actually interesting ones uh and it's good for a band shot because it's not just them standing there so yeah and it's um yeah exactly and it's you've got um who is it um alan sloan the 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 violin player or uh in the, in the pink suit, <laughs> just like hey, he's like he's like doing like a chorus line kick out the out the door of the airplane. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, I don't think it would be advisable to jump that uh, rapidly out of a plane too. They're all like right on top of each other, but um, yeah, definitely a, a, an interesting lineup. So you've got Andy West on bass, who we talked about in our Steve Morse episode, who kind of followed Steve Morse on, and he played with him on solo as well, right, on some mm-hmm. of his albums. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got Rod Morgenstein, of course, on drums, um, who I believe is the guy with the yellow pants. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't even look like him. He looked a little different when I met him. He looked, yeah, he had the teased hair and all that sort of stuff. Not nice um, shoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those shoes. What are they? They look almost like uh, like wooden clogs or something. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> um, then you've got uh, Steve Morris, obviously, um, and then uh, Steve Davidovsky. Uh, keyboard player, um, who I guess is the one that's the second one off the plane. Um, yeah, I, th- I think so. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, I think I think that covers everyone. I don't think I left anybody out. Um, but yeah, quite a uh, quite a crew there. And then we talked about a little bit. Uh, that's the uh, you know, Capricorn Records, like you said. And there's uh, that must that's be um, that's Twigs, that's right? Tw- yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, and there he is. He's yeah, <laughs> the, it's feet, funny. the feet are right <laughs> above his head. <laughs> I, uh, I always like this album cover. I I have a little different feeling about about it after I found out how Twigs died. Right. Yeah. You know, but it it's it's still it's still fun. It's it's fun to look at. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I noticed you, you were, whenever, whatever it was, whether it was the album a day challenge or the song a day thing, oh, you yeah. were always, mm-hmm. you, you referenced this album a few times. So I think yeah. it's kind of gathered that you definitely had some meaning for you. Um, all right. And that's kind of the, the, the bake breakdown of the song. This is a few songs on this album. So with, with three uh, panelists here, it might take a little bit longer than a normal um 
a normal album to go through, but uh, we'll kind of uh, move on from here. So before we get fully into uh, the album review, there's a few things we need to do. And one is, of course, uh, to thank our core level patrons who make this show possible. Thank you to all of you so much for your support. At the $7.77 Keep It Warm Rat tier, we have Michael Vader. At the $6.99 New Nice Price tier, we have Spike the Rock Cat and Sugar Tea. At the episode $6.66 tier, we have Steve Coldwell. We have Arthur Smith. Anton Glaving and Charles Meadows. At the $6.65 Almost Evil tier, we have Kenny Wymore, Michael Bagford, and Richie Sucksmith. At the $5.99 The Nice Price tier, Robert Smith, Peter from Illinois, and Carl Helberg. And at the 60 Kroner Scandinavian Nights tier, one Newt Morton Johansson. At the $5.55 What's Going On Here tier, we have Richard Fusey. At the $5 Money Lender tier, we have John Convery, German Heindel, Adrian Hernandez, Jesper Alman, Alexi, The Perfect Stranger, Slepikoff, Kev Roberts, Percival Frequency, Scott Zern, Cynthia Doobie, Raf Kaff, and Coyote Bong Water. Thank you to all of you so much for your generous support of the Deep Purple Podcast. All right, so there we are. Are we ready to get right into the album, guys? Sure. Cut right to the chase. All right, so here we go. First track up is a song called, well, as we would say, the titular Freefall. It reminds me almost of like a like a TV show theme from the 70s or early 80s. There, there's a few songs in here that remind me of TV themed songs. Listen to that bass. That's awesome. It makes me wonder if, like, if they had a an influence on, like, something like Bella Fleck. Could be. It because it's so strange because it's like it's very funky but very jazzy, but also just but the violin takes it in a completely different direction every time for me. Uh, I kind of like how the uh, the violin. Uh, Carries the melody in this song too. Yeah. Yeah, it's got a very, I don't know, like late 70s uh, smooth jazz sound to it almost. But then you've got this like, the drum fills that he's doing are like, like Cobham esque, you know? Mm-hmm. I should have gotten my Rod Morgenstein autograph. It's over there in the other room. All right, I'll have to scan it and put it in the show notes. <laughs> I 
And it's like Steve Morse is really laying low so far, you know, he's... He has a great fuzzed up guitar solo coming up though. You don't expect it because the way he's playing here, but he kicks that in. Doing some really cool synth stuff there too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You almost almost turned into R2D2 there at the end. <laughs> Is that Steve or is that the synth still? I feel like that might be Steve. Yeah, that that yeah, that's him on with I'm sorry I couldn't hear it real well. It sounds very synthesized. Yeah. He doesn't often use fuzz. He uses distortion a lot, but he's fuzzed out on that. Well, that sounds like a like a modulation. Yeah. Uh, a little modulation wheel. It's just amazing that in the world of Deep Purple, it can cover such a, such a wide variety of things, including this. Yeah. It's like such a great, it's such a dry drum sound, but yet really great stereo panning with the, with all the toms coming from left to right and everything. It's mm-hmm. pretty cool. All right. So uh, who should, who should rank this first? Should we let our guest rank this one first, John? Yep. Guest always goes first. Guest yeah. o- Do they always? Or? Yep. Okay. I believe well, you. I, I always allow them to go first. <laughs> so you're just more polite than me is what you're saying. Yep. <laughs> Well, I think I would give this one four out of five. All right. All right. Put that in. Yeah. All right. John? Yeah, I'll give uh, this one a 3.5. Um, I wasn't too sure about it at first, but it, it you know, kind of reminded me of, uh, um, um, I think you said Billy Cobham. Yeah. At first. Kind of reminded me of that. Um, yeah, it was really, it was really nice as, uh, you know, neat little, uh, kind of, uh, what, what was the year? 70, the, 77. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely sounds like a, a mid to late seventies product uh, produced, uh, album. And, um, yeah, you don't get to hear violins quite often. So, uh, in, uh, in kind of rock type, uh, setting. So it's pretty, uh, it was pretty neat. I'm trying to think of the last time we would have heard a violin of this nature and it probably would have been like Eddie Jobson during the butterfly ball or something um i will give this one a four as well i really i really dig it just it's it's just so cool because it goes from like even like from 
10 seconds to the next 10 seconds, it goes from like super funky to bluegrass almost mm-hmm. to jazzy. It's just, it's, you know, it goes, but it covers like jazz, jazz and smooth jazz. It's just like, it doesn't, it doesn't, um, it just constantly keeps you guessing, which I think is uh, pretty interesting. Yeah. I, I, I thought that, uh, well, not just this song, but the entire band was kind of a combination of hard rock country jazz there's a lot of bluegrass, you know, just little pieces. Uh, mm-hmm. They're classical sometimes. We haven't got to that. I, I don't know if they touch on that this album or not, but they're definitely fusion. There did jazz fusion going on in that era, and they were definitely fusion in the truest sense, all the stuff they brought together. Mm. Well, a different kind of, and I'm by no means an expert, but a different kind of jazz fusion than what I'm used to considering future maybe maybe it's the in- inclusion of the violin or something but well, <laughs> well we haven't there's other songs later that are straight up jazz fusion or nice. at least parts so that's one thing about a part of the song sounds that way then they abruptly go to something else you know nice all right yeah and I've, I've heard this album a couple times but you know usually just in the background and not really paying close attention so uh this is interesting to me to, to listen and especially with the headphones on that it makes a huge mm-hmm. difference um I, I'm a... all right next up is the track holiday This this reminds me of like Morse composition. Yeah, I could immediately pick them out. Yeah, parts of this definitely have a Celtic feel to it. Yeah, reminds me kind of like the Aviator or something like that. Yeah. And it's and the credits on the album are all songs written by Steve Morse. Yeah. Which seems a little weird. Like <laughs> like he wrote everything for every song. I love that um tone they're getting out of the bass. It's so interesting. You can just really tell that that's Steve Morris without even thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. He's so he's so versatile, but he get, he has such a distinct style. Yeah. Even even as far back as then. This was produced by um, Stuart Levine. Mm-hmm. 
and get yet another great solo. <laughs> Uh, that's the classic big dip, big Yep. Those little runs that he does. It had a really different um, lead tone yeah. on this album the than the tone we're used is. to, which I mean, yeah, it's, it was a while before Deep Purple, uh, of course, but. It's funny, uh, Stuart Levine, um, the producer, has worked with a ton of people, everyone from Minnie Ripperton, Lionel Richie and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the first thing that comes up on Discogs is something he did with W.G. Snuffy Walden, the king of TV themes and stuff. So <laughs> it's oh, funny we were saying earlier how he, it sounds like it could be a TV theme. I like the uh, rhythmic shifts between the sections of the songs when they get ready to go into another section. Yeah. bit of a uh, fade out there so there you go that is holiday all right mr. chairman what do you think of uh, of holiday well I, I think I'd give that one a three all right mr. Matola. Uh, I'll I'll go with another three point five. I thought it was um, I thought it was good. I'm enjoying the uh, enjoying the style of this album so far. I'll give it a three point five as well. Yeah, it's very um, uh, different from most of the stuff we've covered, and we haven't done a ton yeah. of instrumental albums. But the one the funny the ones we have done have been a cut. We've done a couple of Satriani albums and a couple of uh, uh. Jazz fusion albums, uh, Billy Cobham yeah. and um, and Alphonse Muzon. So, um, yeah, this is the first time we haven't had the Simple Man on for a jazz fusion album. I hope he's not. Uh, if there's anyone that could f- fill in for him without him being upset, that would be T Bone. So, uh, but yeah, very interesting, uh, very interesting album. All right, next one up is called Hand Jig. That's how dry the snare is. It's amazing. Like they must it. have had something, tea towels on this thing or something, but like how to get that dry a sound out of a snare drum. I love that drum intro, and I like this song, but this is another one that after repeated listening sounds like a 70s TV theme song. Yep. <laughs>
Yeah, oh, almost, I just thought, almost had a little night court sound to it right there. Yeah. Beedoo. <laughs> it's funny, you mentioned uh, Snuffy. And I, that that went in and I didn't think of it at first. That's the guy that did all the music for uh, uh, West Wing. Yeah, I mean, he did so many things. Oh, yeah, I mean, tons of stuff. But I mean, it, what he did on there was amazing. He did, um, I know he did all the music for, I think, the... the Stephen King, The Stand, the uh, the miniseries. He did. Yeah. Uh, didn't he do The Wonder Years? I think he did The Wonder Years. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Ooh, listen to that. It's got like a little envelope filter on the bass. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely got a, this whole album just has a vibe to it and this is probably I think their only album that I've listened to all the way through I think I don't think I've ever listened to any of the other ones so it'd, it'd be interesting to hear their future albums and see how see how I'll they kind of transition later I have an opinion about this as opposed to the feature album, but I'll wait till we're done. All right. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just the combination. I'm, I'm just having a hard time kind of putting my finger on it, but it's like the combination of that funk, but it's it's so clean sounding and smooth sounding. Yeah. It's not as dirty as most funk. I hadn't noticed it before, but there's there's a lot of little segments in here that sound like they're from Night Court. Is Marky Post uh, a guest musician on this? Yeah. <laughs> All right. That was Hand Jig. Is that like a... What's a what is a hand jig? Is that like a saw or something? Uh, I'll, I'll tell you when you're older. <laughs> hey <laughs> all right yeah this is something like you use for a you know a jig like for well yeah maybe maybe it's best i don't know all right um <laughs> hand jig t-bone what do you think i give this one 2.5 all right oops keep putting your votes in mine all right john well in my in my trend of i think keeping like a half step above <laughs> I'm going to give it a three. Um, yeah, I think that this one was pretty, uh, um, another interesting uh, um, song. Um, I think one thing that I noticed, um, I, I think the other songs had it too, was this, uh, the rhythm guitar has this really kind of clean twang to it. Um, that's probably part of that uh, bluegrass style, I guess. But um, again, still just kind of, reeling from how different Steve Morse's playing is or sound, I guess, 
um, and this whole band, because I don't know if I really heard anything quite like it, at least on the Deep Purple world. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely kind of its its own thing. Um, yeah, I can see why people are very focused in on it when they, um, it, it's kind of uh, uh, unique. For sure. Um, I'll give this one a three as well. I liked it. It's kind of grooving along the same way the other tracks are that I really liked and uh, yeah, kind of keeping that same theme. So um, with that, we're going to kick it right into the next track, which is Modown. So now we get kind of a heavier bluegrass element here. Yeah. This one uh. starts off like it's going to be kind of a little bit funky, and then it goes into a, like a quarter dance uh, a hoedown thing. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's a hoedown mowdown. Right. Mowdown instead of hoedown. Exactly. What does mowdown mean? Who's mo? <laughs> Whoa. I couldn't tell if that was uh, keys and bass at the same time or guitar and bass. But the but man, to play that sort of line together like that is that's tough. I like that. Steve plays some good banjo on this and on this record, but not a whole lot. I could do without the banjo, but that's <laughs> <laughs> mm. yeah it's one of those things that like I played a banjo like once or twice and I was like oh I can play guitar so I can play banjo nope <laughs> it's not even not even close <laughs> oh well I think it was uh, was it Mark Twain quote that uh the definition of a gentleman is a, someone that can play the banjo but doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I get that slide guitar. He's using the volume pedal on the guitar there. He did that a lot. Oh, the time okay. I saw him, the time I saw him solo, he was really working that volume pedal. That's funny because with Deep Purple, he does it so much, but he does it all with a volume knob. Yeah. It seems way harder. It's got all the all the tropes like a little whip in the background. 
I wonder if that's somebody hitting the blocks or if that's Rod Morgenstein's wooden shoes tapping on the floor. <laughs> wow. That was, that's an onslaught of everything imaginable. You got banjo, you've got guitar, piano, all sorts of all manner of weird percussion instruments, whips. Crazy. <laughs> Whip, all right. Chains. <laughs> T-Bone, Modown, what do you give this one? My 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 heritage is from the South. I was born in Kentucky, but I was raised in Michigan. Uh I'm not a big fan of that kind of stuff generally. I mean, I would get I appreciate the musicianship. I mean, I do like this album overall, but there's a few songs I don't like. I would give that one a two. All right. All right, John. Take a guess. <laughs> uh, 2.5. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, middle, middle of the road for me. I, I, I think I'm, I feel the same as T-Bone is that um, it's, yeah, I can appreciate the musicianship and it's, it's kind of fun, but I was kind of, um, uh, you know, I was kind of checked out during it. I wasn't really following along with it. I'm just like, okay, this is some kind of, Hold down sounded thing. So uh, <laughs> I'm just like, sounds like every other hold down kind of song that I've ever heard. So uh, no, nothing really as interesting or cool as the first few songs that, that kind of grab my attention. So, but, you know, that's, that's where I sit. I'll, I'll give it a 2.5 as well. It's, it's something about it. It's almost like a silly sort of song, like mm-hmm. all the little tropes and all the things going on in the background and, Reminds me of like one of those guys, you know, that that plays the um, I don't know what you call it, but that it's like a piano and you pull a string and it goes and you and and, and you honk honk and you're doing all this kind of crazy things (laughs) like it's just it sounds it's just like silly sounding, Uh, but it sounds Mm. like that's what they're going for. It's it's great fun, Um, but yeah, it's 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 um, yeah, it's just an interesting fun sort of uh, sort of song. Um, yeah, I think I think it's like a, where the producer said, "Whatever you get, go ahead and put it in this song." <laughs> exactly, you yeah. got blocks, you get a whip, you yeah. got a horn, whatever you want to do, just we'll we'll make it happen. Um, so the next track up is a track I think we've listened to this on another episode. Um, this one's it's got a uh, it's it's hard not to like it after the, just the title alone. It's called Refried yeah. Funky Chicken, and this is definitely a step up. <laughs> All right. <laughs> And this is one of the ones that they had redone from that like, original album. At the beginning, it almost sounds like Night Court, or not Night Court, but the People's Court. <laughs> They're covering all the courts. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, it does. Yeah, Judge Wapner. Yeah. 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 So, the, mean, the, so this they, album covers the judicial system. <laughs> yeah. We'll get to Judge Judy later, or Divorce Court. <laughs> I used to love Divorce Court when I was a kid. I don't know why. Just. Loved watching that show. You're morbid. <laughs> it's like that disco bass line going. Now Mom, it all it, it almost sounds like um, the music you'd you'd have in like a a bit in like Sesame Street. (laughs) 
Yeah, right? Which to me is like the best compliment you could give because Sesame Street had some, in the 70s anyway, had some incredible music. Or just the old educational cartoons. Yeah, whether it be Schoolhouse Rock, Electric Company, all that stuff. Just, how does a bill get signed into law? <laughs> like this. <laughs> it starts real funky. You're going to dance up the steps of the courthouse. I'm just a bill. I'm only a bill. <laughs> this has got some good momentum to it. I've been bouncing around the whole time. Yeah, it's hard not to kind of just bounce in your seat as you're listening to this. And the disco bass line, as you pointed out, makes it very enjoyable. Yeah, it's, it's such a melding of all these different musical styles together as one. But it's not consistent. It's not like the bass is always bringing the same thing and the guitar is always bringing it. It's, it's, they're switching it up. The production is incredible. Yeah. Man, that's a blistering end. But yeah, the production is just so clean and it it, it it feels like nothing is getting lost in the mix even a little bit. You're hearing every instrument exactly mm -hmm. when you need to hear it and how much you need to hear it. It's just really, really it's solid. Cool. I, I really, I love the syncopated lines. And, but especially between guitar and the bass, but the violin would join in sometimes when they would, you know, they, they would do it, wouldn't do it all the time, but they would do it building up to the next, you know, section. Mm -hmm. Really good. I would, uh, oh, by the way, <laughs> I would give this one a, a 4.5. All right. So do I have to ask you, John? I'm going to give it a four. I'm just going to put in a formula <laughs> here that calculates whatever his uh, T-Bones ranking is. Well, I'll just subtract 0.5 from it. I, I swear I'm score. not doing it on purpose. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really, it's good. I think that we, I can't remember what, um, was it the Steve Morse episode that you might have played this? But it, yeah, um, I do kind of remember yep. hearing it. But uh, the, this one definitely is the, the the coolest, funkiest one we've heard so far. Funky, refried funky, actually. Yeah, refried funky. <laughs> yeah. Can you yeah, refried really, chicken? Really I don't cool think that's a good idea. Fun salt. What? Refried? Yeah, you can refry beans, but I don't know about chicken. Good point. Yeah, I'll have to check my... Uh, my food handler's license and see what it says. Um, I will give this one a four as well. Um, really dig that track. It's, it's a lot of fun and um, just upbeat. Yeah, the whole album has just got this kind of like upbeat, fun atmosphere about it. You could see them, you know, it, it, but it's it's at the same time it's so technical. Like they, they had to have 
Oh, of course, yeah. they're all top tier musicians, but I, I can imagine it had to have been a lot of work working out all of these parts and making um, mm. everything work perfectly. Um, but yeah, just sounds like a lot of fun. And um, based on the title of the next track, I don't know if that means we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna get a reprieve from all the upbeat funk funkiness. But the next song is called "Sleep." Let's take a listen. So judging by the length, I'm going to assume this is like a guitar-only interlude. Sounds like there's some synth, obviously, but some like back backwards guitar strumming as well. This song would have rounded out the first side of the album. Yeah, there's that backwards guitar resolving mm-hmm. at the end there, but mm. nice little interlude ditty. Yeah. What do you guys think about that one? Well, I have a one sentence reply to that song. It's a, I find it appropriately titled because it puts me to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> that That's really the only song under there. I, I don't care a whole lot for, I mean, you know, even the other ones that, that gave, you know, somewhat lower score that I just that one I skip usually when I go by where I'm glad, you know, when it was a record, I let it play, but now I, I, uh, <laughs> skip it on the CD, but I, right. I would get hey boy. Um, <laughs> for those of you not watching the YouTube, he's agonizing over this. I hate to give a score that low, but I, I would give it a 1.5. All right. Ooh. Ouch. Well, <laughs> all right. Well, for the first time, I'm going to diverge here. I'm going to go up a step to 2.5. There you go. <laughs> um, so uh, I would say, yeah, maybe the app aptly titled Sleep. Um, I, I was thinking maybe it would be something that you listen to it and evokes thoughts of this is something like a lullaby or something, but it really. Yeah. It really wasn't. It was, um, I don't know, it was just kind of this interesting uh, kind of mellow uh, interlude uh, type of thing. Um, 
I, but I mean, I was trying to think of like in an atmosphere of like, all right, you're trying to, you're trying to lie down and fall asleep. Cause usually uh, a song titled like that, it, it's kind of like a, a ballad or some kind mm. of guitar thing that sounds like it's lulling you a little bit, but um, yeah, I don't know. It was, it was, it was pleasant, but it wasn't one of the most, um, you know, it wasn't probably no one of the best songs on here. They're, they were better. I'll give it a three. I like it. I liked it a lot. Um, it doesn't, I don't know that sleep is what it really kind of evokes for me. It, it sounds a little too busy to be about sleep. Like it feels like if I was listening to this, it would, it's, it's a little too frantic for me, but I like what they're doing with it. I like the different sounds. Hmm. It's very simple, stripped back. It seems to be just guitar, maybe some bass. I can't tell some backwards guitar and the synth. Uh, this that synth part, but I, I like it. I, I kind of like little interludes like this. I think if this went on for another minute or two, it would probably really affect the score for me. But as a, as a nice little interlude for what it is, um, or not even really an interlude, I guess it's it would be the ending to the first side of the LP. Um, I liked it. I thought it was good. All right. So speaking of the LP, let's flip that piece of wax over and get to the next one cruise control that's where things really start to go for me things are start to cook here it's our longest track so far we may have listened to this one too i can't remember Oh yeah, this is good stuff. This song is where the sentencing happens. <laughs> Do they sentence on Night Court? I give you 20 to life. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think Night Court dealt with cases that serious. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was usually just hookers, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. It seemed... There was a wide amount, a wide variety of hookers on that show. Yes, every episode, like when they opened a scene, it would be like some hookers being let out from the last trial. <laughs> and uh, John Larroquette following them yes. like a horny old bastard <laughs> that he was. Your Honor, these girls are just trying to make a living. <laughs> <laughs> I love how that bass that is doing that was a very Zappa-esque little interlude there. But it's like it's like this really it's not even a walking bass, it's more a running bass line, but he's throwing in all these little cool <laughs> all, a running bass line. Like a alter all alternations in what he's doing. At least the jog. At least, yeah, <laughs> a brisk walk. Or when you just move your hands to make it look like you're going across the crosswalk a little faster. It's got like an organ sort of sound here. Everyone gets shot off in this song. Yeah, there's got to be a song like that when you get a group of musicians like this.
I like how they keep trading off. You go, then you go, then you go. Oh, nice. Is that a talk box or something? Oh, Steve's playing the guitar synth on here. I don't know exactly. But see, he did do that kind of stuff, though. There it goes with the volume swells. It sounds like like a Bach fugue chord progression, yeah. almost. Listen what he does here. Almost Brian May-esque. Yeah, uh, it's kind of like what it does at the end of Brighton Rock. Mm. Where he double tracks the guitars and uses a delay. <laughs> now he's doing his morsisms on like what sounds like an acoustic. Getting all those hits that tight, it's not easy. So many different parts to this song. Yeah. Damn. Sure, you're hating that bass in there, Nate. It's awesome. Wow. That's pretty wild. Now, I was trying to think, I, I didn't start paying attention too late on that first section of the song where they're trading off solos. It didn't sound like there was a formula to it. It seemed like it was a little more random, and this was kind of like guitar, violin, keys, bass, yeah. and then it just kind of went in a circle, and then. You know, they got eight bars, then four, then two, then one. Start cooking for sure. I need a break after that. Can you imagine what kind of memory you would have to have if you were going to play that live? And, and have to remember which part goes <laughs> next. Oh my goodness. And it sounds like this all was recorded 
like them all playing together. It doesn't get, I don't yeah. get the sense that there are a ton of overdubs, obviously the double track guitar and stuff, but for the most part, it sounds like they just jammed this out. Um, which, yeah, they didn't, they didn't really spend a whole lot of money. No, no. And, it, and I think the time in the studio was, was minimal from what I saw. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's crazy, but uh, T-Bone, what do you think of this track? I definitely give that one a five. I thought you were going to go there. All right, John. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll give this one a um, a four point five. All right. <laughs> yeah. <It's>, um, <laughs> just because you have to. <laughs> I know. I just looked up and I see T Bone Lab. Um, yeah, I mean, what this this song was anything but cruise control, especially that breakdown. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's some wild uh, virtuoso yeah. stuff. I mean, you're like. <laughs> you can tell because Zoom's cutting out your vocals because it thinks it's it's, it's superfluous noise. <laughs> yeah, it it probably is when I'm doing it, but uh, <laughs> but man, that uh, that built up to quite a uh, it took quite a build there. So um, yeah, wow, I'm impressed. Yeah, cr- crazy musicianship. Uh, Four point five from me as well. And yeah, you hit it exactly like I was going to say the same thing, like calling the song Cruise Control leads me to, you know, like calling the song Sleep evokes certain uh, (laughs) thoughts. Calling the song Cruise Control makes it sound like, oh, we're just going to be, you know, staying at this. Well, I guess it's Cruise Control, but it's like we're going to go 150 and then hit Cruise Control. (laughs) (laughs) Not exactly what you'd normally associate with Cruise Control, but did they even have Cruise Control in 1977? Maybe in like high end cars or something, but. I certainly didn't have cruise control until uh, I don't I don't know I wasn't driving in 1977, but <laughs> I didn't have cruise control until uh, I don't know. Seems like a recent thing, a more recent thing, but maybe. But then again, like I you know I didn't even have a cassette player in my car until like the mid 90s. So okay, the next one um, is called Cosmopolitan Traveler. I don't know why that makes me think of She's So European. (laughs) Sounds like the kind of thing you'd say. They have their finger up like this. Yeah, exactly. You know, until tonight, I would have never thought Steve Morris could have made a career writing TV music, but he absolutely could have. (laughs) I don't know if it's W.G. Snuffy's uh, influence, but all these melodies and things, I'm thinking, man, with a little rearrangement, this could be a TV music. Could have called him Snuffy Morse. (laughs) (laughs) Steve Snuffy Morse. Who's the other guy? GW. GW. Is that who is this? WG Snuffy Walden. WG Snuffy Morse. (laughs) WGGW. You know what I mean. And this is like a. Is he playing like a clarinet slash sax on this?
So that would be um, I don't see any credit for a um, Yeah, they, that's weird that you don't credit that, yeah But it sounds like a whatever a, a Kenny G saxophone whatever you call that, like is, was that an alto or something? My son plays the saxophone I should know this Looks like uh, the keyboard player coming out of the plane is holding a sort of saxophone, so maybe it's him. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, not this part, but the other parts of the song really sound like a 70s detective show. <laughs> That, that song <laughs> I keep going back to the but the that could have been the very end of the song and then you'd see the opening yep. credits man it's like I hate to keep harping on it but every every time I turn around I'm thinking of ways to relate this to TV music but all right so that was cosmopolitan traveler <laughs> what do you guys uh, give that one I give it a 3.5 all right John, um, I'll go with um, I'll go with a two point five. Oh, breaking with tradition. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just yeah. One more time. Um, <laughs> hey, um, yeah. I'll go with the two point five. It's um, yeah. It just um, I guess it didn't do too much. Uh, this one didn't do too much for me. Uh, a lot of these uh, follow the same formula. Have a lot of the same kind of sound to it, but there are just elements in each song that I think make each song that I like better stand out, whether it be uh, the solos, tempo, whatever. Um, and, and this one just kind of uh, was right in the middle, I think. All right. Well, speaking of the middle, I'm going to meet you guys in the middle with a three. I thought it was e. a pretty, pretty good track. Um, all right. Next track up on side two is a song called Dig the Ditch. Oh, nice. That's cool. Yeah. 
So we have a lot of international listening listeners, and I wonder how many of them are familiar with the Dregs or WG Snuffy Walden, for that mm. matter. Ooh, a little fiber slop. Parts of this really remind me of um, of things like that fish would do, and I, I don't know if they had any influence uh, uh, from the dregs. I know fish is a very divisive band. Most people I know hate them. You either love them or hate them. Most people I know hate them. Mostly my wife. Morse is so good at that fast staccato picking. He's really just showing it off in this one. Is that like the only vocal? Is that vocal? Like they're going, ah. If so, it's probably like the only vocal on the album. Well, it could be. I know the, the only record that uh, has vocals printed actually has singers on it with unsung heroes. Oh, they actually had vocals? Oh, uh, yeah. They did on some of the songs on that. They were trying to, they just started calling themselves the Dregs. Oh, the yeah, yeah. Dregs. They got a Grammy nomination for that record, actually. Who did the vocals? Oh, I knew you were going to ask. I, <laughs> I don't remember. There, there's three, four different vocalists on there. Hmm. I didn't know they did anything. I like what Steve Morse said. They said that. The reason that didn't work with the vocalists because everybody wanted to be a classic rock artist. That's not what they wanted. Uh, mm. Yeah, I can see that. Um, I'm just looking through uh, all these TV shows. Holy cow. All right. That was Dig the Ditch, which makes me think of uh, Cool Hand Luke. Well, it's more like Dig the... Was he digging his own grave in that scene? I can't remember. He was digging like a grave or something. No. Didn't they make him dig his own grave? It's been so long since I've seen that. I can't remember. I think it was after know. he ate 50 eggs. I've only seen it, <laughs> I've only seen it once. <laughs> it really stuck out to me. It's a great movie. I need to rewatch it. All right, Dig the Ditch. T-Bone, what do you think? Uh, I give that a three. All right. John. Um, I'll give it I'll give it a three. Oh, <laughs> are you sure you can? Is that allowed? <laughs> I have to go to the judges. <laughs> yeah, we're starting to starting to go all over the place here. All right, I'm going to give it a three as well. 
I think it's Judge Wapner will allow. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> the judge, yeah, all the different judges we've talked about. Who was the judge on the divorce court? Was it one person or I don't remember. I think there was a couple different ones. Because I think it was back to back. It was like People's Court, and then it was like a it was a solid hour of court TV. It was the People's Court and then Divorce Court. I don't know why I loved Divorce Court so much as a ten <laughs> <or> year old. <laughs> I know this is way off subject, but do you remember when Mills Lane had a show? No. He remember he was a ref, a boxing referee, but he was also a judge. Oh, would, I, yes, yes, yes. That's right. And he and he would always say, somebody would try to feed him a line, and he would say, "I was born at night, but not last night." <laughs> Classic. <laughs> uh, all right, next track up is called "Wages of Weirdness." Take a listen. Oh, a fade in. This one has, I think, the most jazz fusion feel to it of all the tunes. Okay. I'm trying desperately to figure out the time signature and I can't do it. <laughs> Just lay back and enjoy it. Exactly. pretty crazy out given that it had the word weird in the title i was expecting to be weirder very zappa-esque in this part all we need is like ike willis singing over this part and it would sound like it was off a zappa record there's some amazing piano on this section another one of those running bass lines. <laughs> it's definitely one of those bands that doesn't let you get comfortable in a groove. They just, every time yeah. you, you think you've figured it out, they switch it on you. It's just amazing that Steve Morris 
would have this sort of background, but would do all this other stuff too. And it's it's cool that he was open-minded enough to play so many different styles. You know, recently we did an episode on, well, I guess, as this comes out, our last episode was on Living Loud, where he's playing straight up Ozzy songs. He plays with Deep Purple, and then he plays this. That's right. I remember, I, yeah, I remember buying those. Well, only one fade out so far, and all the all the endings have been pretty much very tight, sort of crazy endings like that. So, um, yeah. all right, T-Bone, what do you think of that one? There, there are parts of that. Well, parts of it go away and, and sound well, sound like them, but it that it reminds me of those seventies, uh, you know, fusiony type. Uh, bands like uh, My Vision Orchestra, a Weather Report, mm. and and then Billy Cobham either solo or playing with a lot of those people. Mm-hmm. Uh, even even a little bit. Do you remember the Jeff Beck when he was in Diffusion for maybe three or four albums, and then he did some work with uh, Jan Heimer. Yeah, and it, mm-hmm. some of it kind of reminds me of that even it, you know just added the violin in, but. Uh, I give that a, a 4.5. All right. John. Yeah, let's see. I'm trying to get the spreadsheet closed on me again. Oh, you're not. Of course. <laughs> you're not doing it on the computer after that experiment. <laughs> nah. Nah, I'm like, I'm too, I'm too old school. Our spreadsheet's getting too big, too. <laughs> you have to scroll, scroll down forever to get to the... Yeah, actually, I really, I really should. I really should just do it on the computer. You'll know when, because my face will light up. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was, um, whoop, whoop, wait a minute. That was, yeah, that was a good one. I'll give it a 3.5. 43.5. Oh, wow. You really, you really inflate, you threw off the whole spreadsheet. <laughs> that, that, that pull a shade of green that I've never seen before. Yeah. Yeah. Our, yeah. We have, we've got all these uh, formulas in here to, to, to shade the cells based on how you rank them. And when the highest yeah. ranking is five and then John gives it a 43, throws off all the colors. <laughs> um, yeah, there we go. Yeah. I'll give this one, I'll give this one a 3.5 as well. I like it. I, I liked it a lot. I mean, I like this whole album. Um, it's me and John were are trying to be young and hip, T Bone. So like we've we've been saying things lately, like this album is a vibe. That's what the young kids are saying these days. This album is a vibe. What what other things would they say about it? I'm trying to This this album dropped in nineteen seventy seven. I think that's <laughs> this album dropped in nineteen seventy seven. When their grandfather listened to it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, the next one, uh, the, um, I should say the last track on the album, the final track mm-hmm. is a song called Northern Lights. Can we do a second one if it really... Sure. Come on, don't get pushy, man. We're going to put this one out, you know? The northern lights were actually supposedly visible by me last night. Were they by you too, T-Bone? Did you hear that? I didn't know that. You're not too far off from where I am, but 
I did not see them, but they said they were visible. Then I'll say yes. <laughs> <laughs> interesting this has a whole different sound to it so much it really does reverb you haven't heard it throughout the rest of the album he's also doing an acoustic guitar like mm -hmm. acoustic picking Even uh, I think it's nylon string guitar too. Yeah, probably. Right? He put a whole album out of that with the with a female vocalist. When was that? Oh, it, it's been in the last eight or ten years. And uh, I can't remember what it was called. I just remember the album cover was bluish. Hmm. <laughs> that's, that's a big help. You know. <laughs> yeah. Was it Sarah Spencer? I believe so. so. There you go. The first thing that came up was strange kind of woman. <laughs> The album was called Angel Fire. Hmm. I have to check it out. I wonder if we had an album called GeoCities before that. <laughs> Angel Fire. <laughs> and he's using that guitar. I think that's the one that had gotten stolen that he got back. Rhapsody in blue sort of section there at the end. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Sounded like D. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was a nice, nice closing to the album. I don't remember that track at all for some reason. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I just forgot about it or black blanked it out or whatever. But Northern Lights, T-Bone, what do you think of that one? I thought that was a very nice way to end the album. A duet between him and Sloan or just, I, I, you know, with that other song, Sleep, I didn't care a whole lot for that. But this one, this one just hits me in all the right places. Mm. Well, not all the right places. <laughs> <laughs> Most of them. <laughs> yeah. I, I would give that one a four and a half. It, it, it's not... It's not what they're known for, but it's just really, really good to listen to. Mm -hmm. All right, John. Um, I'll, I'll give it a four. Um, I also thought it was a great way to end the album. It had this really uh, nice uh, kind of different classical vibe to it. Um, 
very different sounding than the whole album. It's almost like it was recorded in a different session or something, but it still had that familiar, the, the, the violin kind of brought in that familiar sound. You're like, Oh, this is, we're still there. We're still in the same album, but just the whole composition, everything from his guitar to the, um, uh, just how like really gentle the song was, I think it's just made it, um, really effective, cool, cool way to end an album. Sometimes you want to end on a bang. And sometimes, you know, when you end on a nice sweet note like that, it's, um, you know, this one, it worked. It's effective. Yeah, for sure. Um, I will give that one a four as well. I thought it was a really beautiful piece of music. Um, and I don't know that if I had heard it on its own, that I would in a million years have guessed it was Dixie Dregs. Um, mm. It definitely stands alone as far as the composition and the the sound of it. Just like I said, it's got a really rich reverb on that really works well. And I, and I maybe after listening to this album, that's so dry through the whole album. When you get to this at the end, it sounds extra. I, I don't know what the it, it just the saturation of the reverb is so much more intense because most mm. of it's been so dry. Not in a bad way. It's it's been really good for the music because when you've got that much going on in most of these songs, you don't want everything drenched in effects or reverb because everything will get lost. Um, but yeah, very just very very amazingly produced album in my opinion. Sounds sounds really good. Um, so. Those are all of our rankings. And uh, while John, uh, John, John, while John fumbles with the spreadsheet, um, I will do something else, which is to thank all of our amazing foundation level patrons as we wrap up the episode. So coming in at the three dollar, I'm sorry, three pound and fifty cent deep purple New York tier, we have Lord Longford. At the three-pound aromatic feed tier, we have Simon Ford and Richard Brees. At the $3.33 halfway to evil tier, we have Stephen Sharp and Duncan Leesk. And at the $3 nobody's perfect tier, we have Peter Gardeau. Ian DeRosier, Mark Roback. Stuart McCord. Then we have... We have Ivan Fjellbu. Runar Siemensen. JJ Stenard. Ruinous inadequacies. John Maselli. A week before his big birthday bash, he goes and steals my girlfriend, Bambi Mistraco. <laughs> Michael Boyette and Corey Morissette. Coming in at the $1.71 I Want My Own Tier tier, we have... At the 10 kroner tier, Karsten Lau. At the $1 made-up name tier, we have the mowed down and dug the ditch leaky mausoleum. Steven Somerville, the Concerto 1999 fanatic. Hank the Tank, Private Eyes, Ashen Lionel. <coughs> Blackmore Tights. Steve Down to Earth Kohler, Zwapper the Electric Alchemist, Anders Engstrom, Ashley Still I Hear, Burn Rose, and ICDC. 
Thank you so much to all of you for your generous support of the Deep Purple podcast. And um, without any further ado, it is time to bust out the spreadsheet. All right, John, where does Dixie Dregs Freefall fall in our um, ever-growing list of album readings? You played my favorite version of the song. Yeah, we brought it out of retirement. (laughs) (laughs) Tabs. Thank you. Um, All right, let me see. So it falls... um, uh, falls a little falls a little lower on the uh, spreadsheet here at a six point seven seven, um, and uh, um, T Bone's rating is not coming up. Oops, let me here. I'll fix that. Oops, spreadsheet issues. We need a spreadsheet issues. We've already have a fumbling with the tabs <laughs> song. We need a spreadsheet issues song. There we go. That should be. That no, should I'm do like it. I'm, <laughs> I'm putting in I'm putting in emergency requests. To, yeah, if you could file tabs. an IT ticket, I will. Um, I will get that fixed. <laughs> um, yeah. So it looks like uh, looks like you guys have the exact same rating. Oh, uh, really? Wow. Four or five. Yep. Yep. And mine's uh, mine's a little bit. A little bit lower. Even though you um, came in a little bit higher than T-Bone on everything, you still ended up lower. How's that possible? <laughs> I I think because toward the end, he might have come up higher on a yeah, couple of things. I don't know. Um, but yeah, this is, I would, um, you know, in the bottom, uh, say, quarter of the spreadsheet. So, um, you know, not terribly, um, you know, not not the bottom, but... Um, you know, it's 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 down there between um, between Elf and John Lord Windows. Oh, there you go. But yeah, so um, but yeah, so uh, you know, a good album, uh, nonetheless. Um, but as we often say, it's you know, this is a self-selecting list, so it might be on the it's on the bottom of all of these Deep Purple related albums, so many of which we love. So I'm always interested when I see, oh wow, that seems lower than I thought, and then when I see the albums that sandwich between, I'm like, oh, those are good albums too. So um, you know, if we were putting in albums by bands we hated into this, <laughs> it would probably rank very well. <laughs> yeah, and our um, our combined, uh, and then just to you know throw it in here, our combined uh, guest ratings with our combined guest ratings. The um, oh yeah, let me see what have we had on um, about at this point we've had nineteen. Is that right? Nineteen guests? Yeah, well, eighteen, eighteen, no, guests. eighteen. I'm 18, sorry, wow. yep, eighteen guests. So um, yeah, it's a, it's kind of um, the this combined rating is a little bit toward the uh, a little bit toward the bottom um, for our guest ratings. Um, no, no surprise. Uh, what's <laughs> what's at the top? But well, we won't mention. Yeah, that, we won't so mention we that. Anger. We'll get trouble. <laughs> we won't anger people. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like uh, like you said, it's. Um, it's not. Um, it it doesn't really mean anything. Certainly, certainly does not mean it's uh, not a good album. On uh, on the on the contrary, um, it's uh, actually very very good album. But I feel like this is one where I would um, I would either put it on in the background or I would listen to selections from it. You know, it would be good in a playlist or something. Yeah, it'd be great at like a at the right get together or the right 
party or something like that. It's not maybe not something I put on in the car, but um, a really uh, <laughs> <laughs> weird driving You're driving down the road. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but T Bone, what do you think about? Uh, I mean, you, you said you had some closing thoughts on this, but like uh, overall, as far as this album, obviously, uh, got, you know, got some pretty good ratings from all of us. Some some songs definitely were standouts, and it seems like we mostly agreed on all of the standout songs. Um, overall, what's your what's your kind of take on this album? Listening into it in this format. Well, it's you know, I never thought about writing the songs as I go. I just I know it's a very influential album to me. Uh, but uh, there's a couple songs on here that really pulled it down. You know the overall score. Uh, I think if you're if you're new to the Dixie Dregs, this is probably the perfect album to begin with. I think some of their later albums uh, they may be better overall, but this this uh, this album has more examples of their, of their many styles. Um, I don't, you know that the, the uh, Night of the Living Dregs is a good one to listen to because it's half studio and half live. The uh, half being at uh, Montro, and uh, they got nominated for Grammy for that one too. For uh, I think it was rock instrumental or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm a little surprised that my scores were 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 that low, but. Uh, well, I think that's kind of it, part of the the whole process of doing the show is we realize the scores, while it's fun to do, don't necessarily mean like you know if you take you know the 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 sum of the parts is is not always um, does not always equal or whatever the expression is that I'm butchering. <laughs> the, the I just heard that whole equal sum of the parts in the middle. Yeah, like you. Um, <laughs> you know, you could take one of your favorite albums and when you rank every song on its own in a vacuum. Um, it doesn't necessarily maybe equal up to what you think of that album as a whole because albums have ups and downs. They have some slower songs, some faster songs, some little interludes in them. So yeah, it's it's while it's fun to do and it's 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 a, an interesting way to do this. Um, when we actually get around to ranking all of our Deep Purple albums, how we actually really feel about them, I'm not sure it's going to mirror exactly what the numerical rating is based on all the songs. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I would say overall, it's just a, a very fun album, happy. And, and you get that. And we always talk about when we see Steve with deep purple, how he just always seems so happy. And so, mm-hmm. you know, very much different than, uh, his predecessor. <laughs> um, and the band seemed happy and he's very, um, uh, just smiling on stage and having a, having a blast. And this comes across in this album as well. I just think that's his style and, um, uh, his his playing is just unbelievable. And he's, he's, you know, become one of my favorite guitar players listening to him over the years and, um, listening to him in in this project in such a different way than the, the first ways I've heard him play. Um, you really get a sense of how versatile he is and just, um, why he was so highly rated and ranked one of the you know top guitar players in the Breeders' Polls and all that sort of stuff. He's just a, an amazing player. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was one of the things when I when I saw him at that guitar clinic. It was just, and I've been to lots of guitar clinics, but his was just fun from beginning to end. But he's just 
portrays that, you know, it just exudes that kind of personality. And he see, and he doesn't come across at all as being arrogant or cocky or, you know, he's no. got every, every reason to be, but <laughs> he just seems yeah. like, he seems like a very down to earth kind of guy. Like, um, you know, just very, just a very nice guy. And, um, uh, and a, an amazing player who um, we have gotten into so much on the show and so many episodes on various projects he's done. And I'm glad that we're finally getting into the Dixie Dregs. It took us 243 episodes, but we <laughs> finally got to the Dixie Dregs. Um, That's about right, though. Deep Purple Podcast. We always get there in the end. Um, but yeah, um, T-Bone, thank you so much for joining us this week, man. It's been mm. a real blast having you on the show. I know we talked about it for a little while and really glad you could stop by. Oh, thank you. And uh, where can uh, where can folks find you if they want to uh, uh, listen to you, follow you, all that sort of stuff? Well, they can uh, they go to my website, which is tbpcpodcast.com. And on there, you can listen to the shows on there or you can follow one of the links to all the different platforms. And then uh, on YouTube, I've actually started splitting up my uh, video podcasts where I just, you know, do like a four to six minute clip. And some of them are getting, you know, I've got like 10,000, 8,000. I've got a lot of them that are way up there and some of them that <laughs> that aren't at all. But, but I mean, that people seem to have more of a, a focus or, you know, mm. when it's, Sometimes, like usually when I put up a whole podcast, it doesn't do all that well on video, but on on those short ones like that, they, where they're just talking about one subject, that seems to do well. And so, and you can find, I, I can't remember the website or the uh, URL, but just look up TBPC podcast on YouTube, you'll find it. That's That's got to be our secret, John. We've got to... Um do that because <laughs> if you're getting eight or 10,000 views, that's more than we probably have on all of our episodes put together. We always just yep. kind of, when we record the show, we just have the video. So we figure, well, we might as well just yeah. throw the video up on YouTube. It takes two seconds to just throw it up onto YouTube, but we don't get any, nobody's sitting there. Well, I mean, some people do though. Some people do listen to it and watch it on YouTube. So, I mean, it's a good thing, but you know, we get maybe 200 150, 200 views per episode if we're lucky. Um, get way more in the podcast feed. So, um, yeah, maybe we got to start splitting them. We got to hire an, an editor to split them up, John, and get get all of our greatest. <laughs> yeah. go th- comb through our lengthy episodes and find the the zingers to put up there on YouTube. Ah, uh, and we have zingers. Yeah, exactly. Well, if anybody wants a really um, low prestige and zero dollar paying job, just let me know. <laughs> <laughs> I have well, I got an opportunity for you. <laughs> can hire him for an internship. <laughs> yeah. You want to be an intern on the Deep Purple podcast? <laughs> well, you know, I, I wasn't putting him up on the, that way on YouTube to start with. I was just doing the normal way, but I had that, you know, long, too long break from, with health problems. I, I felt like I had to do something. Yeah. So yeah. then I started splitting them up and it, surprisingly it's it's paid off. Well, it's not paying off. <laughs> <laughs> it paid off in views. <laughs> Maybe yeah. not monetarily yet. <laughs> right. 
Awesome. Well, thanks again. Well, this, this, is, this has been a, a great honor. I, I really loved your guys' podcast. Well, I, you know, uh, again, you. You, you very early on, we kind of, you know, the, the, the four of us, I guess, you and Ryan, the simple man and us, we all kind of started joking around that we were the Deep Dive Podcast Network and right. um, uh, <laughs> and then it kind of became a real thing, <laughs> yeah. which un- unbeknownst to us that that would ever happen. Um, and early, early on, you had us on your show and that was, you know, you had each of us pick songs from different eras of our bands and submit them and um, that was a really fun episode and I really lo- loved listening to your show and and one of the ones that always sticks out to me was the one where you did the um, uh, I, I can't remember the exact title of the episode but it was basically maybe songs that you didn't know were covers and, and- oh yeah I did I did three volumes of that and it was People were always like, "Oh my God, that's the cover!" Yeah, it just it was it was mind blowing. Like there was a few of them where I was like, "Oh yeah, I think I knew that was a cover." And there were so many of them where, where I was just my jaw hit the floor. I was like, "That was a cover!" And you yeah. know, the, but you played the original version, and then you played in most cases the the more well known version that was the cover version. And it was just really interesting and a lot of fun. And you, your your show was always a a real blast to listen to. And um, your your and same thing with your interviews. You know, it's a different thing doing the interviews versus the radio show but uh both really super entertaining so uh check out check out t-bone and um uh you you will be endlessly entertained um thank you yeah it, uh i don't even think i mentioned it what but it's, it's t-bone's prime cuts t-bone's prime cuts it, on the other yeah. side or is it on well, the other I, side I, I dropped that about a year ago. Oh, you did? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just put that up to differentiate it from the radio show that oh, I yeah, used yeah. to have. But then I figured out what the heck. <laughs> <laughs> T-Bone's Prime Cuts. It's a great title. Much more creative than our podcast title. So, um, All right. Well, thank you so much again for joining us. I really appreciate it. And um, hopefully we'll have you back on again soon. Uh, I say soon, but who knows when we'll get to the next <laughs> Dixie Tricks episode. But, uh, or something else. Who knows? Uh, but it's, it's been a great, you know, I've, I haven't been as active on Twitter recently, so definitely haven't had as much interaction, but it's great to keep in touch with you on, uh, um, uh, on email and all that sort of stuff. So uh, thanks again for joining us. And uh, please do yeah. come back someday soon. I'll be around for episode 486. <laughs> yeah, you'll come back. <laughs> you'll just keep doubling it. Yeah, 486. Yeah. We'll, have, we'll pencil you in. Was that five years from now? Jeez. All right. Thank you, T-Bone. We'll uh, talk to you later. Okay, thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Deep Purple Podcast. If you like what you hear and would like more episodes in the future, please donate on Patreon to support the show. You can also leave us a review in Apple Podcasts to help new people discover the show. You can follow us on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook for show updates. See deeppurplepodcast.com for more details. Thank you for listening. But you, you, you guys can hear me. I get the mic is up here. Oh, yeah. It sounds, okay. Sounds perfect, right. actually. You got somebody there with a boom holding it? <laughs> yeah, my assistant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got Donald's brother. <laughs> oh, Margaret Thatcher, Mama Cass. <laughs> Ernest Borgnine. <laughs> 
Yes. I was keeping it warm for you. Want to know how? Please, no. <laughs> Thank you.